Welcome to People's Church Podcast. In the scriptures, Jesus told a story about a rich farmer. Um, it was an, it was quite an incredible story. The story is about productivity and kind of trying to define what that is. You know, everybody in their life wants to be productive. You want to be productive in your relationships. You want to be productive in your economics, in your health. Every which way you want to measure your life, you do want productivity. That is pretty much common for all of us. I mean, wouldn't it be weird to say, I want to be unproductive? It just, you know, help needed, right? Put a help needed sign up. Um, Everybody wants it. But what does it really look like in this particular story? Jesus is measuring what the world considers productivity versus what he considers productivity. And the story goes something like this, and you can put yourself in there because you are the rich farmer, by the way, in Canada. You are a 95%, you are in the top 5% of wealth holders within the world. When it comes to productivity, this farmer was raised obviously with one view in sight. Fill the barns, fill the barns. Sow the crop, look after the crop, harvest the crop, fill the barn. It it sounds logical, it is logical. It makes perfect sense actually, that that is what life would be made of for them. And that is not criticizing that kind of business or that kind of work. What it is, is Jesus points out, though, a part of this story that's nuanced that teaches us the risk of living only with that. Because it says, one year, the farmer had such a big crop that he had filled all of the, all of the bins that he could possibly build. His barns were overflowing, and he still had a lot of crop out in the field. So what am I going to do? Ah, that's a great question. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And then all of a sudden he comes to him. The obvious answer, build more barns. Thereby, the cycle is set. The end game is revealed. It's really about him holding control and possession of everything within his life that is in abundance or in blessing that God has brought to him. And God has blessed every human on this planet with breath, with opportunity, the sun and the rain, The sun shines on everybody, the rain falls on everybody. The idea is, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with the blessing that God has brought to us? There's an old hymn that goes, count your blessings, name them one by one. My mom used to sing that when all my brothers were bad and got her down, you know. The idea of it was simply this, that you are blessed and it's good to be aware of your blessing, but bigger question, what are you going to do with it? What's the end game? What is the end game? In that particular story, Jesus brought out the point that said, this guy's a fool. That's what he called him. He said, this guy is a fool. Interesting statement. He didn't even say he was foolish. I mean, you know, I've done foolish things. Anybody out there join me with that? I've done foolish things. I've done foolish things. But to be called a fool. You see, the reason God in that teaching takes us to that fool rather than just a foolish decision or a foolish move is because he was dealing with the end game. 
He was dealing with a view of himself and a view of life that wasn't defined as productive. He didn't know it. The farmer thought he was productive. Jesus goes on in the end of the story and he teaches, thou fool, don't you know, don't you realize that tonight your very life is going to be required of you, your soul. More or less, he said, you got less than 24 hours left and you don't even know it, but this is your end game. That's it. That's all you got. And that's how you filled in the dashes of life. Nineteen nineteen to two thousand nineteen. We'll give you a hundred. Jesus was teaching us something about productivity. He's teaching us something about the end game and how we measure what productivity really is. He was talking about the value of the soul because then he goes on and he says, Because there is no greater value than your soul. Your soul. Your bins are not the productivity measurement of life. Your soul is. Come and let your souls delight themselves in fatness, he invites us. More or less, come and be filled with all of the great things that I can fill your soul with. The things that things don't bring, but I do bring. He was defining productivity. He was saying, if it's not of the soul, if it doesn't feed the soul, the soul doesn't grow. It's not productive. Here's four conditions of a productive life. We're going to go through rapidly, so be prepared for that. John 15, 8, Jesus is talking again, and he says, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. That is the word productive. That you are productive. How it's said in the scriptures is fruit. So we just take those interchange, and you've got that you bear much productivity. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Relationally, economically, in every which way of your life. Here's four conditions of a productive life. Number one, deep roots. Deep roots. That, that farmer really lacked roots. Really big time. And it's funny, kind of funny because, I mean, he was agrarian. I mean, he's working with land. He gets the idea of roots. He gets the idea of water and moisture. And he gets the idea of sunshine. He gets the idea of how the roots are the key to the strength and the endurance of every plant that he's going to plant. And yet he was out of touch with his own roots. He himself in his life had no roots. He had no roots to define for him anything beyond another bin, another barn. Storing up all of that for what? You're got less than 24, man. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. He's describing a tree that has its roots placed in the right place. He has not displaced the roots. He has placed them exactly where they need to be, right by the stream. 
And that stream was the constant source of what that tree needed so that it did not fear when the heat came. Heat comes in life. You had some heat in your life? Heat comes in relationships. Have you had some? See, the roots are going to matter at times like that. And what's even where they've been planted? What are they planted into? What's the access points of your roots? Where it's not just the depth, but the condition. Are the roots in good condition? Are they, are they being well fed? It does not fear. You know, when fear hits your life, you better have some roots. Because your way out is roots. Your way out is what you're tapped into. And if you're tapped into the wrong things and there's no strength really coming to you beyond the normal full barn or full bin, then frankly, you don't have enough because life will tap you out. He does not fear when the heat comes. Heat is guaranteed. Heat in life, heat in relationships, heat in every facet of your life is guaranteed. When it comes, its leaves are always green, more or less the leaves aren't even bothered by the heat. The leaves aren't saying, oh man, I sure hope that those roots got some moisture to tap into. I sure hope I got enough roots. It's nothing like that. They're green. They don't even consider, there's no fear in this. It has no worries. In a year of drought, we've had our little bit of droughts from time to time here. Rain didn't come until later and Boy, we had that crop-saving rain in, uh, what was it, later May this year after a dry start to the year. When drought comes, and why don't it says, it has no worries in a year of drought. Not a day of drought, a week of drought, or even a month of drought. A year of drought. A year when there's been no, re, no water, there's been nothing to replenish the water table. There's nothing that has come. If the roots are correct, that's the only way to endure is that when you go through those long terms of drought, and we do, we do, we do, we do. If you're a parent, you're going to have some long seasons of drought. You're going to have that. You're going to have that because your kids are going to grow in, in a world that's, uh, uh, they have to learn and navigate their uh, faith towards Christ and to live in a strong peer pressure. Uh, all kinds of different things coming at them to control their wills. They're going to go through things. They're going to make choices that are going to rub you the wrong way. You are going to have not just a day of drought. There's going to be some long-term droughts. There's going to be long-term droughts in your relationship to each other as a married couple. It's going to be long-term drought in friendships, in brotherly, sisterly friendships. There's going to be long-term droughts. Droughts are a part of this. And when those long-term ones come, every day of extension in that drought is depending on roots that have been set correctly. Endurance. And then it says this, and it never fails to bear fruit, this tree. It's an amazing thing. You know the, what do they call those ones in California? The, the, the big trees. The redwoods. 
the redwoods. You know those trees, like they go like 800, 1200, like they just go huge, humongous. Uh, I, I remember driving through some of them. You just get stunned by the height of these trees. Here's an interesting thing about those trees. Those trees can survive most anything. The, the, the winds and storms can't knock them down. They can even survive forest fire. You, you've seen trees where they can be burned on the outside, but yet they're still growing and they grow hundreds of feet high. What is going on with that? Well, actually, it comes down to the roots of these trees. They have deep roots, but they don't just stay at deep roots. The redwoods have shared root systems so that the redwood roots all interlock. So it's sort of this interlock of this massive root thing below the surface that's sort of this floating kind of a shared space that they have in their own little ecosystem under the soil. For one to go down... You got to have deep roots into God and you got to have shared roots with each other. Other people of faith, other people that are there to encourage and help you and lift you up. Coming up in our fall intensive teaching, I'm going to start on the weekend following uh, Thanksgiving weekend, so two weeks from today. The first two Weeks are going to be concentrating on fresh hope for relationships. You know, a lot of people really struggle with connection, with connectedness. Just, it usually shows up the older you get, by the way, too. Things have changed and you're not as connected as you used to be. At least you had the work that connected you or, or some family that were younger that connected to you or whatever, but... Connection is absolutely critical for us to have the kind of condition for productivity in life. Proverbs 12.3 says this, the righteous cannot be uprooted. You can't uproot a tree like that. By the way, you know what the toughest thing in the world is to kill with roots that is a good tree? Is the banana tree. Does that sound strange to you? Banana trees. Yeah, but we can't grow them up here. Okay. So we can grow them in maybe in a great big greenhouse, maybe those kinds of things. Banana trees are interesting. Banana tree roots, it just seems they can bulldoze them. It can burn. It can, but you cannot destroy. It'll come back. It'll come back every time. Banana trees. I never would have thought that. The only way you can destroy a banana tree is you uproot it. You literally have to uproot it. If you don't get rid of the roots, it's coming. It's coming. So how do you grow deep roots? Psalm 1, 2 to 3. They find joy in obeying the law of the Lord and they study it day and night. They are like trees that grow beside a stream that bear fruit at the right time and whose leaves do not dry up. They succeed. There's the productivity. They succeed in everything they do because they have what? Roots. An amazing root system. If you want to be productive, 
There are so many forces externalized that are going to compete with you to reduce your productivity, including your environment around you. You might have a negative environment relationally around you. You know that that is competing with your productivity. They succeed in everything they do. Next, it says in Colossians 2, 6, and 7, since you have accepted Christ Jesus as Lord, live in union with him. Keep your roots deep in him. Did you catch the word keep? Keep your roots deep in him. Build your lives on him and become stronger in your faith as you were taught. You got to keep those roots deep. You got you to make sure you're driving them down a little bit further every time. And how do you do that? The word of God. The word of God. Second, it's condition. You need deep roots. You need weed-free living. How many here are gardeners? Are you serious? Is that it in the crowd? Okay, the rest of you kill indoor plants regularly? Okay, that's my wife. No, seriously, she just has to look at it. The thing dies like this. It's just like, it's just... Like, she's a threat. I bring home a green planet. She's a threat. Ah, until more recent days. Now, she's figured out the watering system, and she's to keep some better than I ever would. And now, it's good because she's looking after them. When it comes to plants and gardening, they have one big competitor. There's limited resource, right? There's limited resource of water, nutrients, there's limited resource. They have one big competitor. It's weeds. Weeds. Now, here's what I know about weeds. I don't have to fertilize them. I don't have to water them. I don't even have to plant them. I don't have to do a thing to these weeds. They just happen. I don't even know where they come from because I could have swore that was a weed-free patch and two weeks later, competition has begun. Weeds do not need help. Somehow, they are just the best thieves in the world, and they'll steal every good thing in the soil for themselves and rob every other plant you're trying to grow. They just do. That's their nature. The parable of the seed and soils, it says this about this. But By the way, this parable was told in all four Gospels. This is a very important parable. Jesus told it, and it was recorded in all four Gospels. It was about seed that a farmer went out and sowed and fell on four different types of soil. We're only going to look at the one. The seed is the Word of God. The Scriptures. That which has been written that which we can all read, which is passed on to us, which was written by the apostles under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who had written the teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus from the Old Testament, from the prophets. God has given us so much truth, and it's unbelievable when we open our hearts and ears and eyes to it, how it can fill us and how it can be that which just brings life to us. 
The seed is the word of God. You know, I, I, I read something not too long ago where they had uh, some archaeologists, yeah, had uh, just unearthed an Indian tomb. And the body, it was 600 years old, the body had around a necklace of seeds. They took one of those seeds, they planted it, and it grew. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, uh, when, when, uh, when the Jews were uh, atop a giant plateau and they were, had the Romans coming to assault them, they had their stores of grain and they had found some grain from then and they planted it and it grew. They really don't know how long life can stay in a seed. But in God's seed, it's constantly there. There was no problem with this seed. The seed is the word of God. The seed that falls among the weeds stands for those who hear, but the worries of riches and the pleasures of this life crowd in and choke them and their fruit never ripened. Interesting. This is the weedy soil. We as believers need to have weed-free soil. We need to deal with weeds because if you don't, they deal with you. That's just how it works because they are not a non-aggressive species of any type. They're knocking on your door because they're going to take over. The nature of the weed is that it is takeover. It's not share. There's no sharing the soil. There's only the takeover. And he identifies three kinds of weeds. says those who hear but the worries and riches and pleasures of this life okay worries interesting what do we worry about the most most people are going to worry about their financial condition the most sometimes health can overtake that but we always have a condition of weakness that shows up in our anxiety and our worry hooks up with that that's that is a weed not the condition what you attach to it. The worry and the anxiety. He's saying these things. When you're worrying about money, when you're worrying about health, when you're worrying about all of those kinds of things, that's a weed. And he's saying it's going to come into your life and it's going to start to choke your life. You say, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm feeling lousy in life because I've got this condition struggle in my health. No, no, no. It's because you have anxiety and worry and fear that are the weeds. Then he goes on and he says, and riches. Well, we just told you a story about a farmer where there was a problem with greed. He was the end product. Everything he did, every strength he had, every gift God gave him every day of sunshine and rain he was blessed with. He used to fill his very own barns with no bigger vision than his own self. And he says, that's a weed. That's a weed. And then pleasures of this life. Interesting. Do you know there's literally millions of people not in church on Sunday mornings around the world because of 
recreating. There are millions that are on a, just a basic subsistence diet. They don't know it, but weeds. The weeds, he calls it here, he says, pleasures of this life. That's stuff you don't have to work out. Pleasure is a, uh, it doesn't extract anything really from me. I don't need to just really go out there and discipline my life for pleasures a whole lot. It's the undisciplined part of life, actually. Oh, your hobby might, you might discipline around a hobby, but it's not a discipline in your life. Today in our world, this has been a big weed. And pleasures of this life crowd in and choke them, choke them. That means cut off their air, cut off their breath, cut off their life. And their fruit never ripened. It never achieved the objective about productivity. Your productivity got squelched. The, you wonder why you're not productive in a relationship that you're in right now. It's going to have to do with what's choking it. Here's some other examples of weeds. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field. Investments. I got to watch over my investments. He goes on and he says, and, next, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Yoke of oxen was like a business, like your tools of business. Your career. I just bought this. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. They've been invited to the banquet of a lifetime. Uh, more than a lifetime. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, frankly, I think that's the only one that had a right excuse. <laughs> Kidding. What's up with that? Jesus actually spoke to it himself. He said, nothing must be greater than I in your life. Is there a relationship that's in the way of your productivity? In the way of your fruitfulness? Is there something in this relationship that needs to be corrected and brought back into balance and brought back into where the Lord is truly the Lord of your life? Verse 18 says, they all began one after another to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a field, I must go and look at it. Another one said, I bought five pairs of oxen and I am on my way to try them out. Another one said, I've just gotten married and for that reason I cannot come. Relationships, career, investments. Aren't these things more important and then, you know, whatever's left. I mean, what I'm going to do, look, I got a plan. My plan is I'm going to look after this stuff all through my life. And when I retire, when I retire, 
I'm going to serve God. Here's the problem. When you retire, you don't have much left. Oh, you might have wealth, but you don't have much left. Your time, your energy, your vision, your drive. If passion hasn't gripped your life for service to the Lord earlier, it's not all of a sudden going to whack you one day once you have satisfied your own plan. The third is cooperation with God's pruning. Cooperation with God's pruning. God prunes us. I personally don't like pruning things. I do it, but I don't enjoy it because I don't have to cut off stuff I don't want to cut off and it just seems like, oh. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He lops off every branch that doesn't produce. So he's saying, Jesus saying, I'm the vine, but there's branches that the father is going to lop off. He has to lop off every branch that doesn't, and what's the word? Produce. Productive life. Productivity. And he prunes those branches that do bear fruit for even larger crops. So you might be a dead branch. You need to be really pruned so that we get some life. Jesus is, is the vine. There's no problem with the vine. Or you may be somebody who's got some good fruit on them. You might have some nice little rose things coming along and father comes along and he's just going to nip off some of that stuff. You can, you're just thinking, boy, that's good green stuff in my life and that's got some flowers that are nice on it. But he says he's going to even lop some of that off so that you bear fruit for even larger crops. So that you increase your productivity. That's the hard things to understand. Sometimes when God comes along, it just cuts off green. But God, that had life in it. I mean, there were some flowers coming. There was, why did he do it? Any pruner knows. You got to do that to get the larger blooms, to get more prolific, more proficient blooms. You need to do that in order that you get greater productivity. Never confuse punishment and pruning. They're not the same. Punishment's about your past. Pruning's about your future. And here's the good news. Jesus Christ took the punishment for your past, present, and future. If you're a Christian today, you have received the amazing, all-completed gift that takes care of your total sin package Don't ever think God is punishing you, Christian, when he prunes. He's not punishing. When you go through hard times as a Christian, sometimes it's really hard to understand. And we ask maybe some crazy questions during that time. Like, don't you care? That was a scriptural question. Don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? We're about to drown. Don't you care? Pruning is different. Pruning is so that you get more productivity because God's always working towards eternity with you. Hebrews 12, 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness. That means strength and his nature and his character and peace. Do you know what every relationship needs for productivity? His righteousness and peace. For those who have been trained, look at that word, trained by it, pruned, they've been trained. 
Number four, I must wait and expect. I must wait and expect. Actually, this is one of the hardest things. It really is hard. You've done what you can. God has done some good things and you've been in the word of God and you've been doing your prayer and you, 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 things are developing and you've got some roots that are going deeper. You've, you, you've been seeing the weed removal thing in your life working. Um, you've got out of the excuse for, for why you wouldn't, you know, uh, have Jesus first. You, you quit putting a bunch of other things in the way. So the weeds have really been reduced and on their way out. You're really cooperating with pruning. It's been rough, but God has been pruning you and he's been pruning your attitudes. He's been pruning you with where you give ownership in your life. He's been pruning you with where you are slack in the ways you know you shouldn't be slack. And he's been pruning, and you're working with it. You're working with it. But then you do all that and it's like, okay, where's the payoff here now? Let's have the payoff. And God says, just, just wait and expect. Those two words together are hard words. I got to wait plus keep expecting. That's faith, folks. The first is just good hard work of building into you. This one is trusting God. Now it's faith. Now you're waiting and you're expecting. It, one of the hardest things in life to do with problems in our life is, is to keep expectations. We want to lower expectations so the disappointment level is not as egregious. We want to hold back on it being too painful. We always, we're always about pain control. And God says, I, I need you to wait and expect. I need you to trust me. I need you to trust me. This is the hardest one. John 12, 24 to 25 describes a process. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it. What is that meaning? Well, the rich farmer. He who does not develop those deep roots because it's going to cost them too much to do so. The weed-free living, uh, living, the way that we look at it and we, we just, well, it's, I don't know if I want that completely out of my life. I want the freedom of my weeds. Or in God's pruning where we, we don't cooperate with it. We, we struggle against it and we, we can even shut the pruning process down. More or less we go through things but we don't get the benefit of what God wants to do. And then we hit this one. Wait and expect. He who loves his life will lose it because it's never been meant to be like that. Your life is not about satisfying your body or your desires. Your life has never been about you being God of your own 
journey. Your life has always been about God and his plan and his goodness to you. Your life has always been about him. Your very breath today is about him. While anyone who hates their life in this world, what in the world, Jesus, what are you talking about? It's very simple. Who hates their life in this world? Not their life, period. Their life in this world. A life of self-centeredness. No meaning. Just building barns. You know, letting the weeds choke anything else that's good out. I hope you grow to hate that. Because it's robbing you. It's robbing you silly. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. (coughs) John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, the vine, the branch, we're in, there's pruning that's going on. Weed, weeds are being pulled. <clears throat> Deep roots are going down. I continually wait <clears throat> in expectation of the big reward of heaven. And at the same time, all the blessedness of having him with me here and all that he brings. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Productive. Productive. But apart from me, You can do nothing. Boy, what a statement that is. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What do you mean? I can go out there and I can build more barns. It doesn't last. It burns up. That's nothing. What? What are you talking about? I can go out there and I can can have a great career. I can build me a life that way. Yeah, where's it? Nothing. What was the whole objective? What was the meaning? What was the purpose? What do you mean I can't do anything? I can stay a positive mindset and yeah, that's going to wear thin on you. You'll find that a positive mindset cannot control a negative heart. I'm not sharing easy words, I get it. But I'm sharing words that I know every time I listen to them myself and I apply them myself produce greater fruit. Productivity goes up. Walking a straight path can only be done when the Lord has received your surrender, including all of the nutty stuff, all the stuff that has been the weeds and choking the life out of our productivity, that has destroyed what can be and stolen from you. But when you turn to the Lord, when you trust in the Lord, When you exercise your faith in the Lord, when you take it seriously and you decide that you're going to drive some roots down deep and the Bible becomes central to your study, to your learning, to your growth, you're looking at it as a manual in life. What do we do here in this this marriage? What do we do in this economy? What do we do in this situation of health? What is there to be found here? Lord, show us. Learn and grow through God's word. 
And then weed-free living. You're going to get serious about those things choking. It's easy, easy. Our whole society is getting choked with what we would call pleasures, money. We would, we would just say people are being choked the life rate out of them. And they wonder why 10 years later marriage is empty. Relationships are down. And then cooperating. Just let God's pruning. Cooperate with it. And say, God, this hurts. You can be honest. Tell him, this is painful. You know it's painful. This is, this is painful. Oh, can you imagine the pruning of Peter? Oh, my gosh. Pain, pain, pain. Cooperate with it. Cooperate with it. And then wait and expect. Trust. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we want to bow our heads before you. And we thank you for your patience and your grace that you bring us. Lord, we're always trying to find shortcuts to productivity. We always seem to find it easier to believe in the shortcuts than the process. Father, we look to find shortcuts in our, in our money, in our, in our rebuilding of relationships. We, we look to find shortcuts, Lord, to get through the pain as quickly as possible and not allow your work. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray there be some changes within our hearts today. If you're here today or you're watching online, I want to encourage you to allow the process work. You may have not received Jesus as your Savior. Today I would ask that you do. Father, I pray that you would do this to the glory of your Son, that you would call many today from the heart, that they would respond. They're tired of living their own life process. They're tired of just filling another barn or dealing with an empty barn with no other tools than try and work harder. God, I ask in your name, whether they're sitting on their couch at home or here's, there'd be just a flip in their hearts right now. And here's how it happens, folks. You receive Jesus Christ. You accept gifts. You don't come with a flawed bunch of works. You just accept the gift of grace. Here's a prayer. Borrow it. Use it in your own heart. He'll hear it. Father in heaven, I ask Jesus to come into my life. My life is out of control in different ways. I need you, Lord. And I receive Jesus as my Savior for my sins. Forgive me. And I ask that you will now show me how to live in a way that is going to bring productivity, fruitfulness. For that, Lord Jesus, I surrender completely my life. Now, you may be a believer here. What's your decision point? Well, I think you know. It's somewhere with the roots, weeds, God's pruning. 
and maybe waiting and expecting. But whatever it is, don't walk out the door without making a declaration and declare to him your full partnership with him, whether it's roots, weeds, whether it is pruning or waiting and expect. In Christ's name, I pray your Holy Spirit will take this word and drive it deep in our hearts. In the name of Jesus and to his glory we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.